The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. And welcome to the Doing It Ourselves show. You're listening to 3CR, that's 855 on your AM dial, and also podcasting online. Um, We're part of the Sewer Show, which happens every Friday, and we are lucky enough to have the third Friday of every month. Um, So my name's Anissa. And I'm Jim. And we're from the grassroots group Doing It Ourselves, based in Melbourne. Um, Firstly, I'll just give you a little introduction of what Doing It Ourselves is all about. Doing It Ourselves engages the broader community to talk about the harmful systems in society, encourage resistance against them, and inspire people to take part in empowering alternatives, because they do exist. We want to live in a world where we can meet our needs, have a healthy relationship with each other and the Earth's ecosystems, and lead more fulfilling lives. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you want to learn more, then please stick around for the next hour. Today we'll be talking about hierarchy in society as well as leadership and all the damaging systems and how we can work with them and against them. And then near the end of the show, we'll be talking about some workshops that we'll be taking part in. And they will be happening at the Sustainable Living Festival which is in February. What date in February was that, Jim? Uh, that's over the big weekend, I think the 12th to the 14th. Mm. Yes, we'll give you more information on that later. And welcome back to The Sewer Show, uh, hosted by Doing It Ourselves on 3CR. Today we are talking about hierarchy and what that means and how it affects uh, our society. We'll start off with a bit of a definition of hierarchy for our listeners. So the, uh, the official definition of hierarchy in the Oxford Dictionary is a system in which members of an organisation or society are ranked according to relative status or authority. Um, so that's the official definition. Um, there'll be multiple different definitions to different people. Um, that'll mean different things personally to them. Um, I think for me, it's about uh, the different ranks and uh, different relationships within a system or working group, both uh, formally, so where those structures are formally put in place, and also informally. So sometimes those subtler relationships of hierarchy, which we tend to uh, find harder to see, but are still present. And um, you know what that means within, how that works within that group, whether it's people doing things that they might not want to do um, and are being told to do them or maybe doing things in a certain way that they might not like doing, um, which is all part of the different systems and relationships of of the powers within those organisations. So um, what does that mean to you, Anissa? What does the word hierarchy mean to you? Um, Well, the word hierarchy, I guess when it first comes to mind, it's definitely those formal um, power structures like you think of a big business where there's a boss and then workers and or you think of you know the whole country and there are politicians that make laws and then a police force that enforces those laws 
and so that's kind of these different power relations where people you know according to their status um, which is given to them you know in many many different ways they have the power over others to tell them what to do and make decisions and you know assign resources and all of that Um, but I think you're you know really on point talking about the informal ways that that happens because that's a really important part of hierarchy that's you know I mean this isn't a topic that we discuss very much it's not as though we have a you know class in school on hierarchy to really look into how our society works and so there's a whole there's a whole you know field of power structures that often we don't even know about or understand and they can be really subtle and really kind of invasive yeah which is pretty full-on yeah yeah so so that's interesting to hear what um with that in terms of the different manifestations of of hierarchy what are those ways in which they permeate through society what are the different ways that hierarchy exists and and manifests um, within the current systems um, that we live in well i guess kind of you know there are many different ways to answer this question i think talking about you know the kind of society that we're born into is pretty important like you know we're we're not born into a into a society where we get to choose you know how we live what we eat you know, how our family interacts, what our community does, um, you know, what happens in our natural environment. Um, Those things are kind of decided for us when we're born. And, you know, we're born into a family that can be more hierarchical or less hierarchical, depending on the different situations and individuals and, and, you know, culture and time and all of that. But really one of the biggest things is, 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 is schooling, you know, most of us have gone through the formal education system, um, which, you know, if people have the time and interest to look into its history, you know, it, it comes from, it's based on the factory setting. It's an idea that, you know, a child needs to go through a factory and get all the little bits put on it so that the child is ready to work. You know, that's, so that's a pretty telling way of what schooling is, how it's so structured and hierarchical and you know, to form a child into this machine that obeys, basically. And you can see that, you know, kids are inside for nine hours of a day with a structured, you know, lesson this hour for maths and then this hour for break and then this hour for whatever else, which is really kind of full on. You know, I don't know what your experience was at school, but I can imagine it's the same for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think I think all of us can kind of sympathise with that and empathise with that feeling. Like that's that's what happens the second we have a conceptualisation of the world around us. We're thrown straight into the school system. We're thrown into this system that um, you know indoctrinates us to listen to the teacher or the caregiver, and that person is there to decide how the day flows, t- tells you what to do, when to do them. Um, and the way in which to do them. And we're given very little autonomy growing up to um, make those decisions ourselves and, and kind of be a part of those decision-making processes at least. So we're not, you know, there's no encouragement growing up to actually bring about some form of challenge to um, these hierarchical structures. It's not encouraged. We're, we're encouraged to obey. 
that's the setting in which we're brought up in and that you can see that continue through high school and then through to um, university and then through to um, the working institute which which definitely has the strongest influence in hierarchical systems and, and working setup and you just you see it that the second we're born we're put into the system of obeying those that tell us what to do and we do that through our whole life and all we can ever hope for within that system is that you eventually get to the point where you can tell others to do something um, for you so yeah it's 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 quite a it's quite an interesting system that we are we are brought into um, throughout our whole lives yeah definitely and I think like thinking back on my own schooling like I always thought I had pretty lucky schooling I had some really good teachers and you know, when I think back on the moments that I felt like I was growing and really excited were those few moments that that good teacher, you know, sat us down as a group and said, okay, you know, we have this one hour, now let's decide as a class what we want to do. And as a kid that's, you know, been told what to do your entire life, you're like, holy moly, you know, here's, I get this responsibility, I get to decide what we're going to do. And but then that's just one tiny little bit. It's it's like this tiny little pretend bit of autonomy and responsibility that you're given. And so I think that's really, really telling that, you know, as a kid, you know, that's really exciting. And I, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, kids don't, like, aren't able to choose. They don't understand the world. They don't know what they need. Um, but that's, you know, that's something that we really need to interrogate as well because, we have all these adults that, you know, aren't very good at deciding, you know, as a group or as individuals what they want to do in life and how they want to do it. And so what are we doing when we've got this, you know, 10, 12 years of schooling and, you know, people know how to do a maths problem, but they don't know how to sit down and work out how they want to live their lives and how they want to develop themselves and how they want to live in community and work all that stuff out. So, yeah, that, that hierarchy is really full on but now we, we haven't even touched on the I mean like as part of that formal hierarchy there's there's also the police force and the prisons which are pretty obvious kind of power structures where you know you can be sent to prison you can you know have a war declared on you if you step out of line and you know it's interesting in that power you know a lot of people will just go out and do physical force and force someone to do something but d depending on your power and status is whether you get away with it as well. So a politician can get away with, you know, you know, calling a war that kills innocent people. But if someone, you know, just goes out and shoots someone in the street, they might get sent to prison. So that's another part of the power. But I think before, Jim, we were talking about the informal stuff, you know, which I guess, you know, comes in, you know, all forms of racism and sexism. And, you know, I think that's pretty on and should be talked about yeah definitely i mean you know you see those informal structural hierarchies within all levels of society we have different hierarchies of within the sexes whereas we live in a patriarchal system so instantly um you know we have a feeling of like a male being the dominant decision maker within our current society unfortunately and and that's something that um you know isn't interrogated enough but it's one of those hierarchies that we just kind of like ignore well we're encouraged to ignore at least and and continue going i mean i understand you know your experiences and that would be probably quite valuable to hear yeah well i think anyone that's kind of on the receiving end of a kind of unquestioned systematic 
hierarchy can understand what it's like you know you know as a woman the way that many men will speak to me you know as they won't speak to other men and say hey pretty lady why don't you smile kind of you know that'll make me feel like what's important is my looks and you know I, I'm I'm there to kind of look pretty and, and serve the, the men who do the business around town like you know that's definitely you know an experience a lot of people feel and it's this informal and like you know talked about in some ways but not talked about in many ways how influential that that power is and affects people without even thinking about it and then all of the racism and the way that you know different skin colors are assumed to know more or are assumed to you know be more likely to commit crimes or you know be more less intelligent and and all of that you know all of those subtle informal and you know sometimes formal hierarchies we've definitely got a lot of racism coming directly from our government those hierarchies inform how people live and who gets to make decisions so that's something that is really important to think about yeah and so when we're talking about hierarchy i guess something that's really important is where does it come from you know why why does it exist you know it's we're talking about all these bad ways that it comes about but where does it come from yeah i mean i think it's something we should all ask you know we can all just take you know guesses and 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 hypothesize um i guess for me i see you know, hierarchy being definitely very deeply interlinked with the ego. I think it's a really important foundation for how these hierarchy exists is people have a certain way of, of seeing themselves and it's that status that society mm. gives us or that group that we're in. That status gives us a sense of self and identity and to remain in that status, you have to um, perform certain things, which usually involves telling people what to do or making decisions on behalf of other people. That seems to be the current way in which our society encourages status. And, and of course, ego is something that's in there with, within all of us. And it's, it's important to recognize that it's not something that can be fully suppressed it's there, but it's something that we can we can look at and we can be um, critiquing and critical about, and we can observe the ways in which those senses of self and ego can be manipulated into making other people feel less than us. And um, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything to add into into where ego comes, well, where hierarchy comes from, and, and the different places that it manifests. Definitely. Well, I think for a lot of people looking back through history, you know, they'd say that in human society and even before we were humans, when we were apes, there's still hierarchies. There's hierarchies all through the animal kingdom of the, the classic male lion that sits around and does, you know, not much and, you know, kind of d d decides what ha happens. And then, you know, throughout human society, we've had kings and queens and priests and, you know, patriarchs in families and... So a lot of people, you know, you can say that it potentially even is like a natural, whatever that means, you know, part of how humans are. And definitely in our modern society, when so much is focused on the individual and we need to, you know, we, we live part of these huge societies where we just want to be recognized. And so people feel this need to kind of, you know, move their way up the tree, kind of your promotion is one of the most exciting things for a lot of people and so you know that's where that, that that's a way of perpetuating this 
hierarchy. And I guess that leads us into this question of what is natural and, you know, is hierarchy actually natural? Like we, we've been talking about all these examples of where it exists, but maybe there's ways that it could not. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like you can definitely see within, you know, certain kingdoms within the, the animal phyla that there's definitely different ways of doing things. There are hierarchies in place with different groups. There are also non-hierarchies. Like, you know, people assume that ants work in quite strict hierarchy. We see that, um, you know, in, in popular culture that there's a queen and then there's the little worker ants. But, you know, science has done, you know, more intricate studies and found that they live in a very more anarchistic social framework of networks and interworking autonomously and not really you know the queen doesn't march out at the start of the day and tell the ants what to do the ants kind of work along together and and make these decisions independently of that Mm. so there are real forms in nature of non-hierarchy and i think you know maybe in the end of the day the focus on whether something's natural or not doesn't need to be too too strongly stressed but definitely the idea that knowing that it's something that's there it might be partially coming from natural places within us but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to become a slave to it and definitely doesn't mean that we should enslave others to it yeah i think that that's a really good point you know what's natural for humans can be anything you know if we're put in a certain situation we become greedy and selfish and if we're put in other situations we become community minded and altruistic and i think hierarchies are really important part of that you know we have to look into you know what what hierarchies exist and how we're perpetuating them and then you know which ones do we need and you know i don't think it's ever this question that we will never will be able to get to a point where everyone's completely equal but we want to be working towards that if we want to have a society where people have the skills you know like ants to be able to communicate in whichever way and decide together you know without kind of these almighty leaders deciding everything and people being born into these different statuses and so yeah I guess our next question here is what what impacts and effects does hierarchy have in our society yeah I think I think you know looking on on that and what what impacts do these things have we we've talked about where they come from and where they are but what what long-lasting social impacts come from it and I think definitely some things that we could we could think about are um our lack of ability to make our own decisions we are now increasingly living in a society where things are kind of spoon-fed to us and when we have to make our own decision we we sometimes struggle with that and we and definitely in terms of community decisions we we've lost that ability to come together and communicate with people around us effectively like our our effectiveness in communal communication i think has has become lost because we because hierarchy kind of relies on us just going to the next person above you for decisions so you know that's definitely something that i think we you know has a, has a long has a big impact on us is our community um and the way we interact with them definitely definitely and i guess the kind of stronger and more kind of enforced and unquestioned the hierarchy is the harder it is for someone to learn how to make their own decisions and and communicate with one another and you know if you're living in a little community where you need to make all your own food and need to live together without you know killing one another and, and survive 
then that's a very different situation to today where we're kind of, you know, if you live in a city, you're, you're kind of born into a family, you're sent to school, you don't really question kind of where your things come from, you just get a job in a little atomized part of society and you do what you're told, do what you're told, do what you're told, get to a point where you can tell someone else what to do. And there's not that questioning or community building that, uh, you know, is definitely part of the society that, you know, I want to see and that doing it ourselves wants to see. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, also linking into that is the ability to make big changes. I think that hierarchy also um, struggles with making those big giant changes that sometimes need to happen you know the system is set to continue running in, in the way it's running and the hierarchy enforces the system to keep running in the way so when all of a sudden we see a big need for change um, we can't do it because you've got to go through this process and you've got to go through all the bureauc bureaucratic processes that come with hierarchy so things when they do come up like climate change when there needs to be a massive big system change all of a sudden we are completely unable to do that we, we are completely at the at the mercy of the of the upper echelons of hierarchy which don't have the ability to make those big calls and those big social changes Mm, definitely. Um, now, I, I think that we've been talking for quite a while, so we'll go into a song and then please stick around because we love to talk about this and we'll keep talking about this for a little while longer. But this song is by Utah Phillips and Annie DeFranco is collaborating and it's called Anarchy. Um, and I've been told that the lyrics are especially beautiful, so maybe turn it up a bit and have a listen. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back to The Sewer Show, hosted this week by Doing It Ourselves. Um, you're listening to 3CR, that's 855 on your AM dial. So far today, we've been talking about hierarchy and how it exists in our society and the different ways that it manifests itself. And now we're going to kind of hone in a little bit and focus more on the kind of social justice and environment movements that myself and Jim are part of as well as many other members of doing it ourselves and so I think this is a particularly interesting kind of way to look at hierarchy because we have a lot of groups that exist that are you know trying to create a better society that are looking at the unjust hierarchies and decisions that have been made in our society and saying you know we want to take control back into our own hands we want you know the people and the communities to be able to decide instead of you know these parliamentarians or whoever and so we're trying to kind of in many ways create a new world a new way of making decisions and you know that for basically everyone in the movement is a much less hierarchical way of doing things um, but of course, you can't just decide overnight, you know, we don't want any of these unjust hierarchies, we don't want sexism, we don't want racism, we don't want these kind of, you know, egos as part of our movement, as, as part of our new society. Just Just saying that won't make them go away overnight. And so I think, you know, now we're going to talk about our first question is for Jim. What are the different ways that hierarchy manifests in the movement? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely different ways it manifests. You know, we see it 
again, like we talked before about formal and informal structures, we see that um, within the movement ourselves every day. There are formal ways of organising within the environmental and social justice movements. They're designed with a CEO as head of the organisation and then coordinators and, and campaign directors and then goes down through to activists and, and down to, to all the other parts of the, the organisation. And they, they operate in the typical corporate structures um, that we see today. And, and we, you, know, you can see the limitations of those things and, and the ways in which they operate, which reflect that. Then you can also see more grassroots campaigners that don't really use um, these official corporate structures but find other ways to, to organise, which still could, could also involve hierarchy. And those can be both conscious decisions, people that, you know, for better or worse, ideally see hierarchy as a more efficient way of making decisions and more subconscious ones. Um, you can see some, some groups that use subconscious decision-making within the hierarchical structures, and that you know, can be you know, things like certain people, um, just you know, kind of words being unspoken, have more um, knowledge, power, and experience, and use those knowledges to um, make decisions on behalf of other people. Yeah, I mean, can you define maybe, Anissa, some, some ways in which we see those things you know, on the practical day-to-day -day level? Um, definitely, I think when we're looking, you know, into more detail at how, how hierarchy manifests in different groups, something that's really interesting to look into is, is this idea of knowledge hierarchies. And so, you know, in, instead of, you know, formal or informal status that someone has that gives them more power over someone else, you know, something that's always going to happen in our society is knowledge hierarchy. So somebody who's, you know, been in a certain group or organisation for longer, you know, or ha has had more experience, you know, working, you know, for example, with climate change and understands the different policies, understands the different actors, and so they're going to have more knowledge. And even if it's a group that doesn't have formal kind of power positions where people make more decisions and they work, you know, on a consensus way, which, which is how, where everybody in the group has to agree for something to happen, you know, just someone having more knowledge will often lead to people kind of turning to them more and looking to them more and you know, when you're having a group conversation, instead of looking around at everybody, you know, people will look to this person with more knowledge and regard their opinion more highly. And so that's having these knowledge hierarchies. If we're not looking into them and working out how they form, then we have all this subconscious informal hierarchy and that can be really difficult. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. There's, 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 uh, there's the acknowledgement that those hierarchies exist. And I think that, you know, our aim really shouldn't be so much to eliminate them because it's A, probably impossible and B, impractical. But I really think the idea is to really keep continually challenging them and understanding that there will always be people that have more knowledge than others. Um, there'll always be people that have do, have been doing something longer than someone else and might have learnt a few more things along the way. But making sure that we look at those and interrogate those those knowledges and make sure that people freely exchange that 
information between each other and doesn't don't use them as a way of holding on to that knowledge to kind of give someone a a higher decision making power within a group by being quite vocal in the fact that they know more than other people and therefore we should do what they say because that's obviously a way that people are going to make you know that's obviously taking away people's autonomy and also possibly not even making the best decision in the first place just because someone has a certain amount of knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to make the right decision um, i think that we are used to that and we used to we used to kind of giving people that have the most knowledge the benefit of the doubt that they'll always make the best decisions and i think you know history shows repeatedly that that's not always the case and so giving everyone an an opinion and a fair amount of decision making will really help get to a point where those systems are interrogated yeah your thoughts more on that definitely i think yeah that's one of the most important things is recognizing that these knowledge hierarchies do and will exist and you know, in a lot of ways, they're really positive. We need people that know more about things than other people. If we all knew the same, then we wouldn't really be getting anywhere. And so it's being able to openly have that conversation in your group and working out where does the knowledge lie? You know, is that leading into other sorts of hierarchies and power imbalances that we don't want in a group that are, you know, not only disempowering, you know, taking away people's autonomy and they feel like they can't make their decisions, but also, yeah, as you said, Jim, this kind of, you know, lack of change and creativity. If it's just somebody doing the same old thing, you know, time in, time out and making the same decisions, then we're not, you know, a creative kind of movement that can take new things on and try new things and you know we need to be able to make mistakes and do things differently and so I think you know unfortunately I don't think that's the conversation that happens very much within groups at least from my experience in you know the environment movement in Melbourne and the few groups that I've seen it's not a conversation that people are have the ability to talk about and that's part of coming from the you know, unquestioned hierarchical society that we live in, you know, even as a movement when we're striving so hard to change society and make it more community-based and, you know, people power and all of that, you know, we still don't know how to have these conversations. Yeah, I think it's really important to, to really acknowledge that we're all still learning. We're, we're learning to un, unlearn all of the things that we've picked up through all of our lives. You know, we've we've learned that that hierarchy works and is the best way to make decisions and um you know we haven't learned the alternatives so i think it's really important to that we kind of explore those more we explore the ideas of alternatives to hierarchy for example um you know like consensus decision making which isn't really talked much in in the broader society I and mean, it's something that thankfully we talk about in the movement which is consensus which is everybody within that group consenting to the decisions being made and saying yes i am okay with that decision happening i'm okay with doing this task or i'm okay with doing a certain job this way you know particularly in the environmental movement and social movement that we work in with direct action that people consent to the way that we do that direct action or all the, the the systems and techniques that we use that everybody's okay with it i think that's really important and so learning the ideas of consensus really can help um, broaden the movement also you know if we're working for a better society that helps us give us gives us the framework 
for future societies and we learn to do it now within the movement, we can bring that to the broader audience. Definitely. And I think a really big part of that um, which will help us move forward is recognizing the time and the effort and the you know emotional labor that, that that goes into that kind of you know looking at yourself and your own ego and your own role in hierarchy critically and then you know being able to communicate that in a kind of critical but you know not aggressive and you know not attacking way to each other. Um, and you know, consensus decision making, you know, depending on the group and the situation, can take a long time. You know, imagine if you have 15 people who all need to agree on one thing, and they come from you know vastly different circumstances and ideas. You know, that could be hours of conversation. And I think often the movement gets a bit too focused on holy moly. You know, there's this forest that's being bulldozed right now. We need to do something right now. So you know, screw with the community you know, decision-making and, like, you know, screw with that. We, we just need to go ahead and do something. And, you know, while I completely understand that, you know, we can feel like that and there are circumstances where it's just like, you know, we need to make a decision now, I think there needs to be a lot more emphasis on that this struggle, you know, against climate change, against deforestation, you know, against basically capitalism and all of the hierarchies and all of that that comes with it. Is, is a really long and difficult process and if we're only focusing on these short-term efficient ways of doing things we're not really creating the society that we want to see and we're not putting in the effort to kind of reform social relations and all of that. Mm, yeah definitely and I think it's you know like with anything that we learn um, it's always hard and slow at the start and you know, consensus decision-making is a slower process, but it's particularly slow when you're learning. As your group um, becomes more accustomed to it, it can sometimes start becoming incredibly quick and efficient the, the more longer you, you, you practice it. So, you know, remembering that whenever, you, you, you know, people are trying to learn these new ways of non-hierarchical um, decision-making, that it does get faster, even though at the start it might seem really slow. Yeah, mm. I think that's an important thing to remember I think it's also important to analyse, you know, how these things get into the movement and and be prepared and ready for it. I mean, you know, be on the be on the lookout for when you see hierarchy coming. And I think that that can come in all different forms and and for different reasons. Like, I mean, what reasons do you reckon, Anissa? Um, hierarchy seems to still, even though we challenge hierarchy regularly in the movement. Um, where do you think it comes from, this hierarchy that still continually keeps coming into the movement and keeps keeps managing to find itself within our groups and our decision-making processes? Um, well, I think it's just, you know, as much as we want to believe that we're fighting against all of these different oppressions and ways of doing things, we can't forget that we're all, you know, we've been socialised in a very top-down, hierarchical, controlled society. And, you know... I, it, it, it's very worrying if, you know, we're kind of imagining that we're living in this sort of bubble apart from all of that and it's like, you know, no, I'm not sexist because I fight for social justice. You know, that's, we, we need to look deeper than that. And so, you know, if we live in a society where, you know, individualism is really pushed on us from a young age and kind of that idea of the age of social media, it's, you know, everyone look at me, here are my photos, you know, here's what I did, 
you know, that really plays with our identity and our ego and we bring that over to the movement and if we're not kind of criticizing, you know, what am I doing? You know, how am I seeing myself in this movement? Then we can become quite hierarchical and we can get in a position where, you know, I've been doing this for four years, therefore I think that I know best and I have all of this knowledge and I don't have time to teach other people how to do things. I don't have time to sit around making consensus. You know, my identity is caught up with, you know, stopping this forest being logged and so we need to do that now and I don't have time for any of this other stuff. And I think that's a really big way that it can come in as well as all of the subconscious sexism and racism and homophobia and all of this stuff that we you know will have as part of growing up in this society and once we accept that and are able to talk about it and look at it then you know that's the only way that we can really do something about it yeah yeah i think uh, you know i think i agree and everything you're saying it's definitely something we have to look deep further within and analyze it within others who come into the movement but then also within ourselves so you know i mean people like for instance, myself, who, by other new people coming into the movement, see me as someone who's been in the movement for a while um, and has has done things for a while. I have to take on that ownership of challenging my own sense of ego and my own sense of, you know, role within the movement. I, you know, a lot of people might attribute um, a certain skill that I have acquired over the years. I've got to make sure that I pass those skills on really effectively within the movement and I'm sure you do as well and all of mm, us do we've definitely. all got to kind of challenge ourselves which is always the hardest one is the battle from within and so it's not always about looking at hierarchy coming into the movement from other people but also um, the hierarchy that you bring and so trying to make sure that you can mitigate those knowledge hierarchies by finding ways to pass on anything that you know and also that the general concept of step up, step back. You know, if you feel that you're not talking much and you're not making much decision-making processes but you feel like you have the ability to do, then step up and, and take part in that. But if you have been part of the decision-making processes a lot and you do have an influence then learn to step back and 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 take it within yourself to go okay i know that my influence here might be slightly stronger so i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna communicate a little bit less here to allow other voices to to become stronger because although i might be have done something a little bit longer than someone else that doesn't necessarily mean that i've got all the best ideas the best ideas could come from someone who's just come into the movement three months ago and and has amazing conceptual ideas that we hadn't even thought of and so allowing the space for them to come in is i think really important not just for a healthy and vibrant and effective movement but for a healthy vibrant society definitely and i think yeah that's such an important skill and you know which i think you know you do pretty well and a lot of us really need to learn how to do better in that kind of you, know, you can have so much enthusiasm and excitement for something and you you know have done you know you've been doing it for a while and you're in a group and you just want to let everyone know that you have th this idea and you've tried this before but once you realize that wow people are kind of looking to me for answers and looking at me when they're speaking and you know I've been in kind of you know a formal or informal leadership role in a group f for a while I think it's important to be like, okay, cool, I'm going to step back a bit. I'm, I'm going to let these new people 
a step up. And it's often this idea of you do need to kind of step back to allow other people into that space, into that space of decision making and discussion and all of that. And, you know, even though we're running at a time, just another thought to add in there is also kind of how structure of a group can help this to happen or can hinder it. And, you know, I'm sure that's a whole nother discussion for another day. But just thinking about, you know, if we're going to have a society where we're able to make decisions as a community and critically analyze each other and ourselves, then we're going to need a pretty robust structure and transparency and, you know, community discussion, you know, ways of doing this that everyone understands. And, and that's a pretty full on thing. And so how are we going to create this structure? Where does this structure come from? Are there groups that already have this structure that we can look at? Um, I think is a really important conversation to have. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think that um, I think that definitely looking at other examples and other other um, ways of, of doing things is really important. So continually looking at, you know, how do other groups work together? How do other organizations whether they're environmental social justice or any other groups you know what other ways do they use that don't use roles and and specific group um, structures as a way of making decisions um, and how do we set a level playing field where decisions are made horizontally so um, yeah I think that that's pretty much wrapping up I guess the conversation for today on hierarchy. I mean, it's a big topic, and I'm sure in the future, um, doing ourselves, we'll talk about it again um, in other details. But uh, but you know, for today, I think we'll be wrapping up. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I think we've just touched on a lot of the things, and you know, we really encourage people to think about it and talk about it. And you know, please write to us. We have a Facebook page, at doing it ourselves, and a and an email address at info at doingitourselves.org. And we love these sort of conversations, you know. We we are learning every day about, you know, how to th think about this and how to do it better in our own group because we have, you know, there are definitely hierarchies in doing it ourselves. So, you know, we're learning how to deal with them. We're just going to go to a quick community announcement and then we'll talk a little bit about some upcoming workshops that you might want to come along to. Uh, you're listening to 3CR. Communities are taking control of their electricity bills by building and running their own clean energy projects. Learn how you and your neighbours can do this too at the Second Community Energy Congress, 27th to 28th of February in Melbourne. Hear from experts in Australia and overseas on how to design, finance and promote your ideas to lower power bills, create jobs and help the environment. Buy tickets for this landmark event at c4ce.net.au. That's C, then the digit for ce.net.au. The Coalition for Community Energy is a 3CR supporter. And you are listening to The Sewer Show on 3CR, this week presented by Doing It Ourselves. For this show, we've had a pretty interesting discussion about hierarchy and all of the ways that it manifests itself in our society, as well as our social movements and environment movements. But that's really just the beginning of the discussion. And so we'd love to hear from you on your thoughts. Um, you can definitely send us a message on our Facebook page, which is just doing it ourselves. 
Um, and also if you missed any of that or you would like to listen again, then just look up the 3CR website and find The Sewer Show and we'll be putting this up for podcast pretty soon. So feel free to listen again. Yeah, and um, yeah, just in terms of uh, moving forward for uh, the Doing It Ourselves crew, we'll be down at the Sustainable Living Festival happening in February. So from the big weekend, which is the 12th to the 14th, we'll be running some workshops. So look forward to hopefully seeing you come down to those workshops. Um, Also have a stall, I believe. Um, Yeah, so the workshops, we'll be talking about things like, you know, system change, really looking at the um you know climate change and the ways that we can you know have hope and really actually make enough change so our society can you know deal with the huge changes that are coming um as well as really questioning you know parts of the mainstream environment movement and the solutions that they've put forward which are you know 100% renewable energy you know is that really possible and a solution and also the idea of you know, ethical consumption or green consumption, you know, the idea that if we just buy, you know, green products that it'll all be okay. So we look forward to hopefully seeing you for some of those discussions. And yeah, as Jim said, we're also be having a stall, which there'll be a lot of, um, you know, zines, little kind of booklets of information on, you know, everything that we find interesting. So come down, grab a couple of them, you know, have a chat to us. As you can see, we do like to talk. And we definitely like to listen. So, yeah, please come down, have a chat to us or, you know, send us a message. You know, we we also have a newsletter that you can sign up to. And we have, you know, weekly sessions where we get together and get things done. And so we would love to have you.